Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good to see you in the house today. We had a great, 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 great Christmas Eve service. The house was packed. We had about 15, 16 people except Christ the Savior. Let's celebrate that this morning. Heard back from, from some folks that were watching online as well. Had a ton of first-time visitors, and we look forward to following through with that. And uh, just, boy, got a lot of great stuff happening this year. I don't know if there's a better Sunday to share a message about preparing for your New Year's resolutions like the Sunday when Saturday is New Year's Day. Are you tracking with me? So today we have a day where we have, we're going to be talking about our New Year's resolutions a little bit today. I called my message this, the draw of the clean slate, right? My family, my wife and I, since I can't even tell you how long, uh, probably since we had kids, we do the weirdest thing on Christmas. It's very grinchy, but it's our thing, okay? So I'm going to tell you what we did yesterday. We had a beautiful time with our kids, the grandkids, the food, the folks, the fun, the fellowship, and all these other things that we did, right? It was great. The kids kind of went down for a nap, and Kim looked at me and said, hey, would you mind if we took Christmas down today, like on Christmas Day? And I'm like, yes, because you know what happens around Christmas? Do you ever notice your house seems to shrink around Christmas? Like, the pre- like we had presents in our garage for our kids that they were storing, and the garage got smaller. Our two-car garage turned into a bicycle garage, right? Uh, my office became uh, Gift Depot, so I lost, I, I lost my lease on my office in my house until Christmas was over. We even took our lights down yesterday. We had neighbors driving by. I had a lady walk by and go, are you taking your lights down today? I said, yeah, you know, it's just kind of this thing we do. And everybody thinks we're kind of crabby and like we're Christmas haters. But we put our stuff up so early this year. We were so excited yesterday. The house was clean. It's bigger again. And we are so excited because we just kind of had this clean slate yesterday. We cleaned the whole house in the afternoon. And the kids got up from their nap, and they're looking around, and they're going, where are we? Christmas is done. What's wrong? Logan even said to us last night, is Christmas over now? You have a whole week off of school this week in a clean house, right? There's something about that clean slate, right? In the spring, we do spring cleaning, right? Uh, different times of year, we'll, we'll do different projects to clean out our house or clean out our garage or clean out the attic or whatever it is. And that clean slate spiritually and even physically and even, um, even emotionally takes place for a lot of people with the idea of the new year. But here's the problem with New Year's Day making, making New Year's resolutions. We kind of do it and think about it in the middle of Ryan Seacrest, Dick Clark. It's, it's, it's like a morphed show now. Ryan Seacrest, Dick Clark's New Year's big show, right? We start, okay, we got to start thinking about New Year's now, right? Got to start thinking about some of the things we want to do. So what are some things people want to do for New Year's? Well, in 2022, I'm going to go back to my high school weight again. Right? Okay, two people laughed at that because we know that that's probably not going to happen, right? Uh, in 2022, I'm going to put a certain amount of money in the bank and have a, saving, a little bit more savings this year. In 2022, 
Uh, I'm going to take my wife and I are going to go on this, you know, big vacation or whatever. In 2022, we're going to do this. In 2022, we're going to do that. And then even some of the spiritual ones we make, right? My wife and I, last year, for the, not for the first time of reading the Bible, because we, since version has come out, that's really helped me be consistent in my Bible reading about 10 years ago. But my wife and I decided to do a Bible reading program together, and we're going to finish it together all 365 days we have been reading our Bible together on version. We're going to congratulate each other. We're going to hug and kiss each other, hopefully. And then after that, we're going to do two separate programs next year because it drove me crazy this year reading my Bible with my wife. We just have different vibes and different, and different times we do stuff. But I'm going to make a Bible reading commitment for myself this year uh, that I'm going to do. And I'm going to try to read through the Bible a certain amount of times because I need that in my spiritual life. I have some goals that I want to make for inviting people to church. I have some goals I, I want to make... Uh, for different things that I want to do in our community, different things like that. And all of us will think about those things. Unfortunately, maybe at 9 or 10 o'clock, the great thing about New Year's in Dallas is we're on Central Time, so we get to celebrate it at 11 instead of midnight. That's a great thing, right? But I want to talk to you today about starting to think about it today. The draw of this clean slate. Here's a great passage of Scripture out of 2 Thessalonians that really speaks into what I'm going to talk to you about today. And God's word says this, to this end, we always pray for you. And I love how we prayed over each other uh, during the worship this morning. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and you may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him excuse me, according to the grace of our God. So let's carefully plan and talk about today our New Year's resolution. So here's the first thing out of this passage I want to share with you today. Resolve to do good things in and with your life, right? Now, that's a very general thing. I'm going to do good. That's a, that's kind, that sounds almost easy because if you, if you just say, as, as one of your goals this year, I'm just going to do good this year. I don't think anybody thinks about, you know, I'm just going to be a rascal this year. I'm going to mess people up. I'm going to drive terrible. I'm going to be terrible. I'm not going to pay my, nobody thinks about like things like that. But if you think about that overriding principle of doing good, there's a couple different areas where we would want to do good in a resolve or a resolution for 2022. First of all, is financially. Our, our saving and our spending habits, very, very important how we take care of the money that God gave us. Next year, we're going to talk, we're, next, excuse me, next week, which is next year, I guess, right? I guess that was a right statement. Next Sunday, we're going to share with you uh, the grand total of our heart for the house offering, and we're excited about that. We're going to be able to do some great things for the church, even with our daycare and with our children's ministry. We're going to share with you. This, you can get involved with that this week. It's the last week you can do it. But financially, do you have some goals this year, even, even when it comes to your giving? Do you want to give less than you gave this year? Do you want to give the same that you gave this year? Or do you want to give more than you gave last year? That, that's, a, that's something that you could talk to the Lord about this week. Uh, financially prioritizing our budget, right? Making sure that we make our giving decisions before we make our spending decisions. Can one person say amen to that, please? I'm not going to talk about giving today, I promise you, okay? But those are some things to think about. How about some health? Everybody makes New Year's resolutions about health, right? Uh, about our weight, about exercise. We're preaching to the choir here. Daily habits of health in your life. But that's not just the physical stuff. Like when we think about health, the first thing we always think about is, oh, you know, we're going to lose weight. We've got to lose weight. How about emotional health? 
How about, how about bringing things into your life that make you emotionally healthy, like reading some good, some good books or reading some good things or maybe some less time on the television and less time on social media and more time engaging and talking to people. I had a conversation with a good friend this week and we were kind of lamenting, if you will, the, what happens a lot of times when we send text messages to each other. Did you ever notice how a lot of text messages, like we're writing short, like when I, believe it or not, we, I don't know if you remember when you started text messaging, right? It's really become the primary way people talk to each other today. When we were missionaries in the Philippines, back in 2001, the Nokia came out with a phone where you could start text messaging and it was actually introduced over on that side, on the eastern side of the globe before it was even in the United States. So somebody had to show us, but you didn't text message like we do today with all the letters on your phone like that. Number one was ABC, number two was, you know what I'm talking about, had the next three letters and the next three. So you had to, so when you wanted to hit an A, you just hit the number one once. If you wanted to do a B, you had to hit it twice. If you had to do a C, you had to hit it three times, right? So they came up with shortcuts, and this is, boy, this is, speaks into why we text the way that we do today, right? So the, because text messaging was so complicated and you had to multiple hit, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero, we found ways to make shortcuts in our conversations and abbreviated words, right? Like if you were gonna say to somebody, hey, Ed, uh, where does Ed come from? You would do the airport thing, PHL, Philadelphia, like as if you didn't know that already, right? Or, but you would find different ways to make the words and the sentences shorter, right? So now that we have this whole keyboard, we have adopted this mentality of shorter words and shorter conversations, and guess how they come across? Very short. They come across, have you ever read a text message from somebody, and you're like, man, that person's mad at me. Dang it, they used all capital letters. It's almost like they're cussing at me, right? That's what we're told to believe, right? But the truth of the matter is maybe, maybe some of your daily habits can be one-on-one -on -one face interactions or even on the phone where you're talking and less and more careful and even strategic on your text messaging. I, I talked to the church about this a little while back. We made a discovery uh, in our staff meeting one week. You can track how much time. You want to be discouraged. Have a day off, and on the next morning, look at how many, you ready for this, hours you were on your phone the day before, right? So if, a, a way to justify this, yeah, but I read my Bible on my phone, so that counts as, you know, some of the time too, right? But, you know, that's on your social media, that could be on email, and that could be tech, that's just you holding your phone and the light coming on. It tracks how much time you've been on your phone. So I looked at mine yesterday. I, mine was a little lower than normal yesterday, but I spent about four hours, four hours of my 24-hour day on my cell phone yesterday, just reading stuff, text messaging a lot of family members, calling people, doing some things like that, getting some messages. My friend John, uh, if you read this on our prayer page yesterday, John LaRue's wife took a spill yesterday, busted up her elbow, so he sent me some text messages, and we were going back and forth about that yesterday. We had another family yesterday who's got COVID all through their house, and we were talking to them about that, Tammy's family. We want to keep them in prayer. Her daughters have COVID. I mean, just a lot of stuff like that was happening on Christmas Day, and I looked, and I was like, man, I'm so proud of myself. I spent less time on the phone today, four hours. And I was looked, and I looked back at what I did. I had, a, I had a day this week. I don't know if this is like confession time. I had a day this week where I was on my phone for eight hours. 
How is that even possible? You say, Pastor, you got issues. I know I have issues. I know I have issues, right? But the thing is, maybe we can look at that and put some put some put some safeguards in our life. So we're doing a little bit more less, we're doing a little bit less of that for our health. And here's the most important part of this. We we understand financial, we understand health goals that we want to make this year. What about spiritual goals? What about spiritual goals? Uh, do you have something in your mind that you're thinking about doing so that you will read your Bible through next year? I, I've got to tell you, church, I don't know if we talk about this enough. One, one of my daughters said to me, Kelsey uh, got, they were having a little um, battle yesterday of sisters of who has the most spiritual husband. And um, yesterday, Evan won because he bought his wife a Bible for Christmas, right? He bought his wife a Bible. He said, here, honey, I got this for you for Christmas because you really need it, right? But he gave his wife a Bible. He didn't really say that. But he gave his wife a Bible for Christmas. And Katie said, you know what, Dad, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start encouraging, you ready for, here's a concept, encouraging people to bring their Bibles to church, right? How's that for a great idea, right? Not only that, but making sure, and this is from my daughters, I told you, they're more spiritual than I am, making sure that everybody in our church has a Bible. Listen, I do my Bible on my iPad and I read it on my phone as well, but there's just something about your mental state when you're bringing a Bible to church and you're engaging and getting involved with the message, it's, it's significant. I'm not, listen, if you don't have a Bible with you, I'm not, this is not Guilt Fest 2021, I promise, I promise you. I read on my electronic devices as well. But maybe this year we can purpose in our hearts that we put our hands on the Holy Word of God a little bit more, not on the same place where we're checking our Facebook messages. Just a thought. But I, I had a college professor say this to me one time. If you aim at nothing, does somebody know the rest of this? You will, you'll hit it every time. So if you kind of are thinking about, well, you know, we'll see. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I could read. The best way to commit to read the Bible is to read it through in a year because it's a little bit of a daunting task. It's not like a book you're going to sit down and read in three days straight. Maybe you could do that. I can't do that. But if you will consider it this week and pray and say, Lord, put it on my heart. Either get a Bible reading program. There's a, there, there are Bibles out there you could buy that are called the 365-day Bibles. The Bible is on your, uh, if you have that program on your Bible that I was talking to you about, version, probably has a hundred or more different programs where you can read. My favorite one is the 90-day read. I'm going to try to read the Bible this year four different times. Uh, and you, you say, wow, but that's not a big deal if you think about how much time we're on our phones and how much time we watch TV. It's literally about 30, 35 minutes every single day. You're like, man, I don't know if I could read 30, 35 minutes straight. I'll tell you what I can do. I can watch five or six Netflix shows in a row. Right? I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not speaking down into you. I'm, I'm looking at the mirror when I'm saying these things as well. But I know if I strive to do that, I will do that. If I share that with some people, I'll be accountable for that. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. Find a Bible reading program that works for you. Share it between husband and wife or good friend. And keep each other up with that. Check with each other in a couple months. Check with each other in a couple days. Hey, how you doing? There's funny verses in the Bible. There's really, really funny verses in the Bible. Uh, we were, we're, we're, I don't know why this Bible reading program we have has us in Job to finish up our year really, really pumped up. But there's a verse in the book of Job that talks about I went up to my wife and my breath was, was terrible. This is in a different version. And my breath was terrible and she couldn't even talk to me. That's a verse in the Bible. 
That's a funny copy and text verse, right? And there's verses like that, but, there's, but most of the Bible gives us these wonderful words of life that God preserved for us so that we could know him better, so that we could grow in him, and so that we could become the men and women that he's called us to be. I, I want to say something to you, church. This is going to sound very, very harsh. You cannot grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ if the only thing you're doing spiritual is coming to church on Sunday. You can't do it. For our friends that are watching online, we love that we have such a great audience online, but there's something about missing the fellowship of God's people. You need to be around God's people to be encouraged. We need to be around each other. We found all these shortcuts in our world so that we could say that we're doing Christian things, but are we purposing in our heart through our Bible reading, through our people inviting? Have you ever made a goal for the new year, I'm gonna invite, right? So you got 12 months, there's 52 Sundays. We'll say you'll probably attend 50 of those, and that's being very nice. That's being very, very nice, okay? Say you're gonna attend 50, let's say you attend 40 Sundays this year, and I hope it's more than that. So if I attend 40 Sundays this year, maybe out of those 40, I could invite 10 people to church, that's 25% of the time, or I could invite 20 people to church this year. I'm not saying they're all going to come, but if it's a goal in your life that you want to see some of your friends and your family members have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's on your mind, and you wake up thinking about it, and you say it in your prayer time every day, which is something else we're going to talk about in just a second, Lord, bring me somebody that I can invite to church. Let me tell you what happens in your life when you pray to God about bringing people to church and telling them about Jesus. It changes the way you act in front of people. It could even change the way that you drive, right? If you purpose in your heart, God, I want, to, I want, I want 10 of my friends to come to church and please use me to help them see that they need Jesus and, and that they need to be saved and they need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, your invitation is, listen church, is gonna, be, is gonna be validated by the way that you live that out in front of them. Like if you're inviting, like if you're, you know, this is going to be a very, very crude illustration, but if you're at the bar on Friday night, what's it, boots and glasses, boots and glasses, boots and glasses, right, that kind of, and, and you're, two o'clock in the morning, oh, I got to go to church, hey dude, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? Not super silly, I know nobody's doing that, but maybe there are things we're doing in our life during the week that are kind of just like that. Like if you lose your testimony at work and you're really mad and you're cussing people out all the time, then on Friday you turn on the nice Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? And they're going to be like, aren't you the person that was going beep, 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 beep all week? And maybe they'll answer and they're going to go, hey. No, no, they're going to say that to you. They're not going to say that to you. But maybe if you're praying about that, God's going to start convicting your, in your heart about the way that you're talking and the way that you're acting and the way that you're treating others. It really puts a great accountability in our life. Ask God, here's another spiritual decision we can make for the year. Ask God to give you a special awareness of the physical and spiritual needs of others. Right? You, you know, we think that we come to church because, I, you know, I got to get my recharge, got to get my word on, got to get my worship on, need to see some people from my small group and different things like that. Maybe perhaps you would come to church and, and think about, maybe there's some people in here that I could pray over today, like Katie had us praying over each other in the beginning part of the service. Maybe there's somebody I could be an encouragement to. Hey, maybe there's a first-time guest I could take to lunch. Maybe there's somebody I could just, just, just speak kindness and, 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 and niceness to. We had a couple of, we had a lot of visitors. I bet you we had 
I'm going to guess it say we had over 40 visitors. May, would you agree with that? How, do you think we had that many visitors the other night? How many? It was a lot. It was a lot, a lot of visitors on, on uh, Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve, I did what you wanted to do, right? If you ever wanted to come through, come to a fast Christmas, come to a fast church service, I, we were in our cars driving out of the parking lot an hour and three minutes after church started. Now, I don't know if that's a brag or if that's a bad thing, but we know that people want to get home to their families. We ha- I think our service was about, Andy would have really liked it. It was about 45 minutes long from start to finish, right? So we got, got our service done. And what, what happens is, especially with Christmas Eve, we get out, hi, 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 here's my presents, good to see everybody, I got to get home to my, I got to get home, to, that's, not, that's, that's fine. But maybe we should be a little bit more strategic because there could be Sundays, now listen to this and tell me if this isn't the truth. There could be a Sunday that you could come to church and the message is just okay, right? It's because we had a guest speaker that day, but the message is just okay, right? Maybe the music didn't do it for you, right? Sometimes the music's too soft, sometimes it's too loud. Sometimes we like the song, sometimes we don't like the song. If you ever want to talk about something controversial in the church, let's just talk about music because people love talking about church music, right? But that could be the thing where, oh, you know, I just, but here's the thing. Maybe you come to church and all those things aren't clicking for you the way that they, you would hope them to be. But you went up to somebody and prayed over them and encouraged them and set up a meeting during the week or had lunch with them after church on Sunday. And you found, you ready for this, that you got more out of church because of what you gave than what you got. Because a lot of times we grade church on how good the sermon was, how good the music was, how long church service was, and how good the snacks were at the coffee table. That's how we judge church. All the stuff that makes us feel, right, the feels. We love the feels, you know, and then we can always remember the things that make us, I, I, that person, I know they saw me and they didn't even say hi to me. I try to do something. If I don't say hi to you, church, you come up to me and you tap me on the shoulder and you say, hey, I just wanted to say hi to you because I'm trying to do something I've been doing this for about four months. I'm trying not to look over the shoulder of the person I'm talking to to say hi to the next person. I want to be in the moment with the person I'm talking to. That's hard, especially when you're the tallest person in the church. And I'm including my son-in-law, Nick, because if you look at our family picture this year, I'm taller than him this year, right? That's hard to do because, like, I don't want to forget anybody. And I, I don't know. I didn't even know May was coming to our church this year. She stands behind her husband. He eclipses her, so I didn't even see her this year. But that can happen to us, and we kind of can get in that thing where we're doing the, the platitudes. I, I'm going to say hi to everybody so nobody's mad at me instead of engaging in four or five really, really good strategic life-giving conversations. Life-giving conversations. That could be a, a decision you make this year. How about de- delivering restoration? Delivering restoration. You know what we're really good at doing? You know Christians are good at doing? Avoiding confrontation. Especially in our Dallas culture that we live in, right, where it's, it's kind of one of those things, it's a southern thing, where we're really nice, and we can give the platitudes and the smiles, and then walk away and go, man, that guy's, you know, and we're not being honest and truthful with one another and caring about each other and carrying the, our, our spiritual burdens, inviting people to church, witnessing. How about maybe make a commitment this year that you're going to be at more church functions than you were last year, that you're going to be at more church more on Sunday, that you're going to go to groups more faithfully that you're going to be part of our events that we do. Maybe there's some giving goals, spiritual giving goals that God has placed in your heart. Or maybe he would place in your heart if you asked him to. Right? Those are conversations we kind of avoid because they're personal. 
But what about talking to God about it? God, what do you, I love it when people come up to me and say, Pastor, this is something we're doing for the church. I don't want you to say nothing about it because God told me to do it. You know what that tells me? It doesn't say anything about an amount. Here's what it says. That person, that family is talking to Jesus about what they're supposed to be doing financially. And maybe we can make that part of our prayer life and our goal for 2022. So here's the thing about what we do, right? We do, we do. We always have that list. If you were to look at, if you were to name somebody that you think is a great Christian in our church, you'd say their name and you'd say why, right? I think that Sergio's wife, not Sergio, I said Sergio's wife, is a great Christian if you only knew. You would say that she's a great Christian because they're in church all the time. They help out with all of our events. Their kids are perfect. They're great kids, just awesome kids, right? But you would, because she would, you ready? She would mark some of the check boxes that you, that you would have on what your perception would be of a good Christian, right? But here's the thing about what we do, we do. We pursue these things or do these things by faith So it is a work of faith. Let me read this passage to you out of James chapter two. This is life-giving. This is a great passage of scripture for you to read as you consider what you would commit to the Lord in 2022. Uh, James 2, 14, it says, what does it profit? And I like that. This is almost like one of those statements that you would read out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Like what's even the purpose of this? What's the deal, right? It says, what does it profit, my brothers, if somebody says he has faith, but he doesn't have any works. Can faith save them? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, hey man, depart in peace, be warm and filled, I hope everything's gonna work out okay for you. And here's the, this is the best and worst thing you could say to people in need sometimes, you ready? Hey, I'm praying for you. That can really be the best and worst thing you say to somebody. It could be the best thing because for some it's enough. It could be the worst thing because I'm praying for you, but good luck in everything that's happening to you. I'm kind of too busy to get involved with your crud, right? So listen to the author here. James says this, depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things that are needed for the body. What's what's the point of that? (coughs) Thus also, faith by itself. What does that mean? I believe in Jesus. I'm going to church. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to give my tithes and offerings. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not really doing anything to prove to anybody that's in my life. It says if it doesn't have any works, it's dead. But somebody will say to you, you have faith and I have works. You know what what that is? That's a comparative statement. Boy, comparisons can get you in a lot, a lot of trouble. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, if you try to compare yourself with other people, here's why we do that. We compare ourselves with other people because we'll say, like I'll say something about Jack. I'm a, I'm, I have way better hair than Jack does. Man, I'm just, my hair is so good and I've got great, great, great hair and taller than Jack. Here's what I'm doing. I'm talking down about him to elevate myself and this is what the Bible says, ready? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, even though we're trying to elevate ourselves and make us look wise, you know what Paul said we are? We are fools. And read through the book of Proverbs and see what it says about calling somebody a fool. It's a pretty serious thing. Paul said if you do that, you're a fool. Wow. He says uh, in verse number 19, you believe that there's one God. Here's what Paul's saying. It's kind of funny. Paul says, you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Good for you, right? 
That's like when somebody says, uh, you know, for the holidays, yes, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, and we were uh, lamenting on the amount. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you need to have some confession time about the amount of food you ate yesterday? Is anybody like that this morning? God bless you. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. We, pr- we pray those demons out of your life this morning, okay? It just didn't stop coming yesterday at our house. Like there was food and then there was more food and then there was more food and then there was more food. And I found myself, like we got everything cleaned up and I went to go to bed last night. I'm like, man, I could go for a cookie right now. No, I'm not gonna eat a cookie right now. I can't do that. And, and my friend said to me, I was talking to him on the phone last night. And he said, yeah, it's a tough day. But you know, right, right before I went to bed, I didn't eat that last cookie. I'm like, do, do you need a standing ovation for that? Because let's talk about the other 20 hours of the day that you were like, rum, 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 that kind of a thing. And that's what Paul's saying here. You say that you believe in God? Very, very good. That's elementary Christianity 101. You believe in God. It, he, he's really, I, I think he's kind of speaking uh, into people's lives uh, with some of these verses, and, and he's being a little sarcastic. And I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's my background. He said, you believe in one God, you do well. And then he says this, the demons even believe in God and they tremble. And and we look at that and we say, well, they had a face-to-face relationship with God at one point. They know what's in their future. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this. They believe and they have a fear. We have a casual relationship with God, our homie, right? But but, But Paul is saying, or James, excuse me, is saying, the angels believe and they fear The fear of God, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. So listen to this. You believe there's one God, you do well. The the devils believe and they they tremble. But but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Then he gives two great examples. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with He believed God and his works were demonstrated by it. And by works, faith was made perfect. The scripture was fulfilled when it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness and he was called because of that the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Here's something very interesting here. So we see Abraham, right? The like father of all the Jewish people. God made a promise to him, you're gonna have a son, there are going to be so many offspring because of you and your wife's relationship. You won't even be able to be like the sands of the sea. And Abraham's looked at as like the patriarch of all, you know, in the Old Testament of all the Jewish faith. And even uh, connecting us, our, our Christianity to Abraham, right? Abraham, godly. Abraham, for, uh, faith. Abraham, a patriarch. But then he talks about Rahab. He talks about a prostitute here. He says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot? The Bible never lets you forget that Rahab was a prostitute because every time you see Rahab's name, Old Testament or New Testament, Rahab the harlot. How would you like the worst thing about you to be part of your name? Right? Ed the overweight. Talking to me. Talking to me. Talking to me. Okay? Or somebody the short fused. Or somebody the mean person. Or somebody the terrible driver. You think about your weakest thing, and that becomes part of your name. But here's what's interesting. A little side note about Rahab. Rahab did the right thing. It was counted unto her for righteousness. And Rahab was also named 
in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how significant she was. And here's what that teaches us. Another little side thing that we can learn here from this passage of Scripture is God will use anybody if they say yes. Here's another thing. Here's another really, really good one. We're not better than anybody. Rahab did something we probably couldn't do. We'd be afraid to do that. It says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by her works when she received the messages and she sent them the other way? What did she do? The Bible tells us in the book of Joshua, she protected them. And they made a promise to her. She made a promise to them. They kept it and she was justified because of that. And then in verse number 26, what a great verse to memorize. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so our faith without works is dead also. Don't be confused about this. The book of Titus, chapter 3, and verse number 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. You don't have a relationship with God because you're good. You don't have a relationship with God because you go to church. You don't have a relationship with God because you gave a lot of money one time. You don't have a relationship with God because you don't cuss and you don't smoke tobacco. You don't have a relationship with God because you never see nothing bad on TV. You don't have a relationship with God because you're nice to people. You have a relationship with God when you've asked him to forgive you of your sins and put your faith and trust in him. Listen to what the author's saying here. You're not saved because you do good, but... Because you are saved, something inside of you should draw you to do good. Like I should want to please the one who gave his son to die on the cross for all of my sins. I should want to honor the one who gave me everything so that I can have a relationship with him. Instead of us being like those Pharisees, and if you look at all the confrontations Jesus had in the Gospels, Jesus got in the grill of who? Religious people because they thought they were all that in a bag of peanuts, and they didn't even, listen, Jesus said this in John chapter one, you guys are talking about somebody you don't even know. That's what he said to the religious people. So don't tell me you're doing a bunch of good and that makes you saved, but because you're saved, I'm gonna show God how much I love him. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. What are you gonna demonstrate What are you going to do in your life to demonstrate to God that you love him in 2022? Let's finish this up. We have Christmas leftovers to eat. Number three, God acts through our faith by his power. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you. He works in you. If you know him as Savior, and you, it's kind of simple, but it's really complicated for us sometimes. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, and you say, dear Lord, Please work in and through me. Guess what? He will. But sometimes we're afraid of that. Relationships, perceptions. Am I going to come across like a... No, God wants you to pray this prayer. God, will you work in and through me? Romans 1.16, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because the gospel of Christ is the power of God that brings salvation to everybody who believes. Number four. God will honor the right resolutions in your life. God will honor that. He'll honor you for making the right resolutions. He'll help you. He'll remind you when you're struggling with them. He'll encourage you when you're doing the right thing. And listen, when you don't, you know how sometimes we do, like I'm, I'm a kind of, I, I am a person, part of my love language is affirmations. Anybody else need affirmation once in a while? Come on. Who else? Somebody needs it. Dakota, I know you do. 
Put your hand up in the air like you just don't care. Put your hand up in the air like you Okay, so, so I, I need affirmation. Here's what affirmation means to me. Yesterday, I did something, and it was, more of a, it was more of a statement thing than it was a necessary thing. I cut my grass on Christmas Day. Isn't that, isn't that weird? But I love telling all my friends up at snowy New York and Pennsylvania, is it cold there today? I'm cutting my grass in my shorts. I was so happy. To, and I had my, I said, honey, I need you to do something. Come out, and I want you to take a couple pictures of me. You look at my Instagram, it's on there. Take a couple pictures of me cutting the grass. You know what she said to me? Like Carly Simon song. You're so vain. I said, I'm not letting, like my shirt was off and I'm doing the gun show thing. I just wanted to, I wanted to trash talk some of my buddies up in the Northeast and say, well, guys, have a great Christmas. Santa's down here in shorts, okay? And this is how we roll this year, okay? But there was something else I wanted my wife to say that she didn't say. I had to, re- I had to correct her later. She's back here laughing. She knows it. I wanted her to say, honey, the grass looks really good. That's all I wanted. I just wanted some recognition that I did a good job cutting the grass for her. And she says, you didn't do that for you. you, you for me, you did it for you. I know that. I just, I just need a little love every once in a while. Does anybody else ever need a little attaboy every once in a while? Hey, you did a good job. But listen, if you like today's message, don't come up to me and go, you know, on the backside and give me an attaboy. It's good. It'll start all kind of rumors in the church, and we don't want that to happen, okay? God honors the right resolutions. 1 Samuel 2.30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares. I love that word, declare. Katie said that this morning. We declare. Declaration, right? We, the God of Israel declares, I promise that members of your family would minister to me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be disdained. Here's what it means. You make a commitment to the Lord this year, not just one, right? Don't be weak and say, well, I went to church 40, I went to church 36. I'm going to church 37 times this year, one more than last year. Faith without works is dead. You don't, you're not more saved because you go to church. You go to church because you're saved, right? That's why we do it. We do it as an expression, not, as, not for recognition. God says, if you honor me, right? What is it, what, we're, we talked about honor. We did a whole series about honor. If you honor God with your time, if you honor God with your resources, if you honor God with your relationships, if you honor God with your words, if you honor God with your prayer, if you honor God with your private time, if you honor God with your public time, if you honor God by the way that, that you respect others, if you honor God, God says, I will honor you. But here's the thing. The best outcome. What's the best outcome of all this? New Year's resolutions. You know, there's... And there may be some New Year's resolutions you make that really aren't spiritually, you know, super duper spiritual. And that's okay. But make sure the foundation of them is for this reason. The best outcome of your New Year's resolutions and you keeping them is this. God gets the glory because of your story. It's not like we come to church next year. I'm going to give you a little preview, okay? Just see. The hardest time to do staff planning with 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 our staff, with any church I've ever worked with, is talking about the Christmas service schedule. When we're having, Holly, you remember that, when you're having church. Because everybody's like, oh, I want to go away and I want to do this and I want to do that. And the mean pastor says, everybody needs to be in church on Christmas Eve. And they're like, oh, I agree. That stinks, right? It's that kind of a thing. Next year, Christmas is on Sunday. God help us. I don't even know what's going to happen yet, right? But you think about this. Next year, last Sunday of the year, 
whatever Sunday that's going to be that we have at church, right? Do, do you want do you want Queen playing because you kept all your New Year's resolutions? Like as soon as you get in the car, right? We are the champions, my friend. And I kept all my New Year's resolutions. I gave more than I did. I came more than I can. I am the, you know, we kind of want that, don't we? Don't we want that? You're the man. Oh, you the man. I love people when they say, oh, you're the man. You're the man. Don't you love that? Then the Bible messes up all the way I think about things sometimes. The things that we do in the closet, privately, that nobody sees. God sees it. You're not making a New Year's resolution to me. This pretty girl that's going to come up here in a few minutes, she's, we're going to make New Year's resolutions together. And we're going to encourage each other. We make a list every year of things we want to accomplish as a couple, trips we want to take. St- and everything this year is all focused on Florida, Emily, and baby number six. That's going to be all of our like travel stuff this year. Then we have some other things we want to do. How are we going to read the Bible this year? What are we going to do about inviting some of our neighbors to church? How are we going to do this? We're going to give more or less this year. And we always it's always we don't want to do less. Hey, we got we got to figure that out, right? All those different things. Because simply put in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, and it's kind of funny because he's not literally saying like, you know, having a chicken sandwich and a glass of wine for Christmas is a bad thing. He's not saying it that. It's not what he's saying. He's saying this. The very mundane things in your life, because you know what every person's going to do in this room unless you're fasting today and you're super spiritual? Every person in this room is going to eat something every person, even if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of water. But what he's saying is this, every little tiny mundane thing you do in your life, everything, do all to the glory of God. So 2022, next week, we're going to share some goals, some resolutions we want to make as a church. And I'm going to ask you to affirm those with me. We're going to pray about those as a church together. Kim's going to tell you about something we're doing on January 9th in just a second, a few weeks. It's going to be a very, very special service. I'm going to let her tell you where she doesn't have any announcements to share with you. But we got to make it count, church. we got to make it count. So just don't, you know, don't, don't slide into, you know, don't finish 2021. And let's, let's not make the, well, you know, let's, we got to see what's going to happen with COVID. we got to see, see what's happening. Listen, you make your spiritual decisions, and you keep them before the Lord, and you see how God is going to work in and through you. And do something crazy above that you could even ask or think, according to His power that works in us. With eyes open and heads up, you know how we do the, the sometimes invitation? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Eyes open, heads up. How many of you will pray about spiritual decisions, spiritual um, decisions you need to make for your New Year's resolutions for 2022? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you came and you gave yourself so that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for grace, that unmerited favor that we see every single day and forget to acknowledge. Thank you for mercy, that, that, that you're withholding things that we actually deserve 
punishment wise because of how much you love us. You give and you give and you give and you give and you give. And then when we talk about giving, we're considered what we can give back. We get all we get all kind of angst about that, Lord. Help us to give liberally to your work. Help us to give our time liberally to others. Help us to give ourselves to you like we never have. May this year, 2022, personally and as a church, be the greatest year that we've ever experienced for you. And next year, Lord, when we sing We Are the Champions and we get all psyched up, it's going to be because of what you did in spite of us. Thank you for your love. We honor you today, and we thank you for those that are here, that are online, that are traveling, Lord. Be with our folks all over the place. Bring us back, and Lord, help us to have the greatest year Warehouse Church has ever had in 2022. We ask you this in Jesus' name, and everybody said in agreement? Amen. Amen. Welcome, my wife.